Welcome into Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We close out the week here at Outkick, continuing on a roll of wild stories. Uh, we got a bunch of things to get into. I'm going to talk about what the Twitter revelations mean. Uh, Baker Mayfield leads the Rams over the Raiders. Croatia beats Brazil on PKs. And Russia uh, is exulting over how ridiculous the deal was for the Merchant of Death versus Brittany Griner exchange. All that going on right now. I uh, encourage you, as always, to go listen to Clay and Buck show. Uh, Buck was out today. I had it solo, but we'll be on throughout and up to the holidays before we take a little bit of a break. But let's start with the Twitter revelations. It's amazing how quickly the left-wing narrative shifts from you're a right-wing conspiracy theorist to, well, we knew this was true all along, and it's actually a good thing. So I have been saying for years that Twitter was regulating and restricting what you could and could not see with a political motivation in mind. That is, Twitter was far-left dominated and rigged to favor far-left political agendas. And it was clear as day when Elon Musk spent $44 billion for Twitter, all of a sudden they started burning a ton of the evidence and people like me saw our Twitter followings skyrocket. Now, um, I don't know. Let me check right now. I'm You, you guys know I mentioned when I went over a million followers. Uh, but I think I'm approaching 1.1 million followers now. And I'm just adding thousands of people every day. I'm not saying anything different than I have been saying for years. It's just that the artificial rig job that had impacted my account at Twitter has been removed, and as a result, we're starting to have a lot more growth in terms of our interaction. So, what Barry Weiss began to reveal yesterday evening was calculated, clear, concrete evidence of political censorship that was being implemented by far left-wing employees of Twitter. I believe this is the most uh, seismic political interference that we have ever seen in any of our lives in elections and political discourse. I also believe it was criminal in nature. I'll explain why I believe that. But first, the revelations that came out last night were far more significant to me than the New York Post stories which came out on uh, last week. Uh, I believe it was last week. Uh, why is it more significant? Because a lot of the New York Post stories dealt with one particular decision. And even though that decision was awful and wrong and probably rigged the 2020 election, we know it only at that time dealt with one particular story. But what I told you was, this is the tip of the iceberg, we're just getting started. What was revealed last night is a systemic attempt to rig elections and political conversations exclusively for a left-wing political benefit. So what's going on now is, as jo Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri tweeted, we basically have many different Twitter executives dead to rights that they were lying to Congress about what was going on in their company and that this was direct content discrimination 
based on political opinion that was occurring. Now, a lot of you are not active on Twitter, and I understand why you might not care that much about this story, but to me it is the biggest political crime in maybe American history and certainly in modern American political history because Twitter, and I think it's also going on, this is important, Remember, we're just seeing behind the curtain at Twitter now because Elon Musk, God bless him, was willing to spend $44 billion to buy Twitter. Otherwise, none of this information ever comes out. So what was going on uh, was clear uh, political content discrimination, effectively an in-kind contribution to Democrats. Twitter was essentially a... Uh, a, a propaganda arm of the Democratic National Committee. And what is being revealed here likely is going on at Facebook. It's likely going on at Google, at YouTube, at Instagram, at all of these big tech companies. Remember, we're only seeing behind the curtain right now at Twitter. But the impact at Twitter, which is where, by and large, America's thought leaders go to interact and to discuss political issues of the day. Look, If you're like me, and around 2009 or 10, you think the country just started to go crazy and just accelerate on the crazy train from there, this is evidence of how that all happened. Remember, and I was just talking about this on Clay and Buck, Barack Obama's 2008 presidential campaign was about how amazing America was. That even a kid like him of mixed race from Hawaii grew up without a present father, that even a kid like him could rise to the highest office in the land was essentially the same campaign that Ronald Reagan ran in 1980 and the same campaign that Bill Clinton ran in 1992. America is awesome. It was a super optimistic campaign. Since then, everything's gone very, very negative in the opposite direction. And I think it's not a coincidence that the social media companies in 2012 was the first election we had with Twitter as a substantial influence. 2016, things went off the rails with Clinton and with Trump. And 2020, we know how much of a disaster that campaign was in general during the COVID era. But I believe what has been happening is Twitter rigged things so far to the left wing in this country that many politicians and a lot of news media treated it as if it were representative of the real world. And many people out there living in the real world threw up their hands and said, what in the world's going on? And this is why I've always been having these conversations with you guys. The difference between Twitter and the real world has always been for me seismic. Nobody says a negative word to me in the real world. Everybody super engaging, interested. Thank you for the radio show. I love OutKick. I love everything that you guys are doing. On Twitter, you would think that I am the most polarizing person on the planet. It's because Twitter's not real. And so many people and so many big businesses and so many political parties looked at what was going on in Twitter and presumed that it was the real world and tried to react to it. And the analogy that I have been making is it would be akin to standing in front of a carnival funhouse mirror and trying to adjust your diet 
based on standing in front of one of those crazy mirrors that makes you look way too tall or way too skinny or way too wide or way too fat and thinking that it's the real world. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. I'm Clay Travis, and I'll kick the show is going to keep right on rolling. And now we're starting to get a better version of the truth from inside of Twitter. And it confirms that everybody out there who said, oh, I was being shadow banned. Oh, I was being restricted from having my content being seen. Oh, I wasn't involved in conversations on topics that I truly would have been a part of is in reality occurring on a regular basis. And that the trending topics were chosen uh, to allow things to trend uh, that otherwise were not have trended. I think it made viral videos uh, and the BLM protests, for instance, maybe appear far more uh, significant than they otherwise would have been. I think Twitter has been a destructive force and I think it's been rigging elections on behalf of Democrats and the evidence now is not just circumstantial. We have direct evidence of all that going on. And I think we're just getting started because what's going to happen in the future with some of these revelations, I believe, is we're going to see a clear collusion between the Biden administration, that is the political party in power. Remember, Jen Psaki was bragging about it from the White House press conference room. We're going to see a clear, uh, clearly delineated battle going on uh, in that front that's going to be revealed soon. So what should happen based on the revelations that we have seen so far? Um, I think we need primetime hearings. Democrats had primetime hearings about January 6th. Republicans, when they take the House, need to have primetime hearings about everything surrounding the uh, uh, this Twitter these Twitter file revelations. And they need to do it January or February. It needs to be one of the primary focuses of the Republican Party. And even though our Department of Justice won't prosecute anybody on the left wing right now, no matter what they do, uh, we need to provide clear evidence of exactly what crimes were committed by individuals inside of Twitter, also by the FBI agents who have been involved in helping to rig the game with Twitter, potentially by Biden administration officials based on collusion that they were involved in. Remember, I can't wait to see all of the collusion that was attempted uh, surrounding COVID, right? We know that this is going to be a seismic story uh, surrounding COVID. So we need to have full criminal charges forwarded. The Department of Justice won't act on them. They're too busy arresting people for protesting outside of abortion clinics and, uh, and investigating parents for going and speaking at school board meetings. But that should be a major political issue in 2024 and a truly uh, revitalized Department of Justice, which we need with actual focus on crimes that matter would and should prosecute many of these cases. That's where we need to go from here. Uh, Senator Kirsten Cinema has made the decision uh, to leave behind the Democrat Party. She's now an independent. She's still going to be caucusing to a certain extent with Democrats, but it's going to be a wild scene now in the 2024 Senate race in Arizona. Uh, presumably, she will be running as an independent. Democrats will put forward a candidate. I would imagine Republicans will put forward a candidate. Where do her supporters come from? Does it make it more likely that she wins in a three-way race? Does it make it more likely the Democrats or the Republicans? My general take is that this probably hurts Democrats fairly substantially and helps Republicans, but maybe uh, my calculus there is wrong. I think it also calls into question, what decision is Joe Manchin going to make? Because 
Uh, Democrats have been so excited that they've got a 51 to 49 majority right now. Well, if Manchin wants to continue his political career, in the Senate anyway, he's going to have to become a Republican or he's going to get swamped in 2024. So does he go ahead and make the switch to the Republican Party in advance enough of the 2024 election that he potentially could be the nominee and win the Republican primary? Does he decide to run as an independent? How does all of this shake out? I think it is going to be incredibly interesting to watch because I don't think there's any way Joe Manchin is going to be able to win a re-election. But whatever majority the Democrats thought they had in the Senate has already pretty much gone up in smoke uh, with this decision of Kirsten Sinema uh, to uh, leave behind the Democrat Party and effectively wipe out whatever substantial advantage that the Democrats had. We'll see whether Joe Manchin does it as well. Baker Mayfield, he'd only been in L.A. for like two days, uh, and he comes in, leads a comeback. The Rams get the win over the Raiders. Pretty devastating loss if you're the Raiders. And I don't know that the Raiders could lose more close games than they have. It's pretty amazing to watch. Every week it feels like they manage to pull defeat out of the jaws of victory. Uh, and Baker Mayfield gets the win. Uh, this is big-time celebration in the locker room. I believe the Rams have lost six games in a row. And then they go pick up Baker Mayfield on waivers. He comes in. He leads a comeback in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Rams get the win over uh, the Raiders. Croatia has beaten Brazil on penalty kicks. Uh, if you were watching that earlier, huge upset there as Brazil was the favorite in the round of eight. Croatia goes to the semifinals yet again. Brazil, Neymar, huge devastating, debilitating defeat to Brazil, uh, which was the favorite to win the World Cup down in Qatar. Finally, continuing to react to Brittany Griner, the worst trade in American history, American political history for sure. Uh, Brittany Griner was, according to an NBC report, which was later scrubbed without notice, Brittany Griner was chosen by the Biden administration over Paul Whelan, a Marine, formerly, who was in prison for four years. They skipped Brittany Griner ahead of Paul Whelan. The Russians are saying, and NBC has reported, uh, that this was a choice. They are ridiculing the Biden administration because they got the merchant of death back in Russia. And they are saying, and there are reports out there, that Joe Biden had a choice to make. He could either have gone after uh, Paul Whelan and gotten him out of prison or Brittany Griner and gotten her out of prison and that the Biden administration made the calculated decision to go get Brittany Griner because she checks the identity politics blocks that matter to them. She is gay. She is a woman. She is uh, black. And so they would rather identity politic-laden victories occur to the extent this is a victory at all than bring back the white male Paul Whelan, even though he is a former Marine and has been in jail for longer. Remember, Brittany Griner requested that the WNBA stop playing the national anthem before games and has been kneeling for the national anthem in the WNBA for some time. So we gave Russia the merchant of death, a guy who can increase the amount of guns and high-level violent weaponry all over the world very quickly, could also help to resupply the Russian forces as they have been debilitated during their war with Ukraine, and 
he's going to be a force for global instability based on his connections in the marketplace of illegal weapons. And we got back a WNBA player that virtually nobody cares about. Uh, It's a bad trade. But if the Biden administration truly made the choice to get back Brittany Griner over Paul Whelan, that is frankly indefensible. The amount of time that you spend in prison should, should, and I repeat should, determine who gets out first. We should get our prisoners out who've been there the longest, the fastest that we possibly can. Uh, All right. Uh, I love all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, I'm going to go work on my book now uh, that will be out in September. Encourage you to go listen to the Clay and Buck show. We had a good time today uh, rolling through for three hours without you guys uh, hopefully uh, missing a beat. Uh, Buck will be back with me on Monday. This has been Outkick the Show. As I said, DBAP, unless you need to SBAP.